It's game week, everybody. We are just five days away from the start of the UTEP football season. Tomorrow, 5.30, UTEP football with Dana Dimmel will be live at Hudson's. Hard to believe we're back again and doing our weekly coaches shows uh, starting tomorrow at 5.30 with John Teicher. Then, coming up on Saturday, our coverage starts at 2.30. Longhorn distributing countdown to kickoff, and then 3.30, there you go. UTEP and Jack State coming up from Jacksonville, Alabama, right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. John with Cole Freitag and Mondo the Monster Medina. And here we go, Adrian, the start of the UTEP season, the start of the high school football season. In fact, in New Mexico, they kicked off last weekend, and football is back. It is ready to go. And we are ready to go here on Sports Talk. We are back. Steve, football is here. It's the start of another athletics year, and we were out at UTEP today. Uh, it was the Gordon Family Courtside Club that we were inside today. Uh, Director of Athletics Jim Center was able to address the media, talked about how the sports calendar has already started with soccer already playing two games, uh, volleyball already has an exhibition under their belt, and now it's just about football. Football this Saturday on the road at Jacksonville State as the Gamecocks make their transition from FCS to FBS. Their first ever FBS game happens to be a Conference USA matchup in Week 0 against the Miners. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to talk about it with you. Can't wait to get your predictions of what's going to happen. I think that's terrific. Uh, thank you for covering for me on Friday. I spent the weekend with Lane Frank and family out in L.A. That was a lot of fun. I got to be his gopher for the weekend, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. I was I was taking pictures uh, all Friday night with Lane. And um, Lane, who attends uh, the Pump Foundation uh, fundraising dinner, which raises money for cancer awareness out there in the uh, Southern California area. Lane set up shop. He was talking to about 20 different celebs. And um, my job was to try to get some good action shots of Lane and who he was interviewing and talking to. And I mean, it was a who's who of uh, sports and uh, just celebrities in general. In fact, when I heard the name Lil Dirk, I thought he was going to talk to somebody that's like the next Dirk Nowitzki. I didn't realize it was one of the biggest rappers on the planet. I had no idea. Um, And I think of all the people that Lane spoke to, and like I said, it was a who's who of sports. He had John McEnroe. He had Drew Brees. He had Michael Phelps. He had um, Ric Flair. He had just about everybody. Lamar Odom uh, was with him. Um, gosh, I got to think about some of the other names that that I, I saw with him. Uh, uh, Johnny Menzel. Um, he was most excited about Lil Dirk. He really was. And when I sent the picture to Adrian, Adrian's like, wow, he met Lil Dirk. I didn't even have to tell you who it was. You knew exactly who that was on Friday. Oh, man, I was so fired up when you sent me that photo. And I, I agree with him. I'm happy that he was just as excited to see Lil Dirk. Uh, I don't know which rea- which one I reacted to most, the Lil Dirk photo or the Rodney Terry photo. Oh my God. Where Rodney Terry is throwing the horns up, uh, you know, on his side. He looks uh, super happy to be with Lane Frank. That one was uh, a great photo as well. Yeah, it was. And you could tell uh, just uh, how excited he was. 
Carlos Boozer was there. Sugar Ray Leonard was with him. I said Michael Buffer, Jim Gray. I mean, I think he had 20 altogether. And it was just a, a, a wild night. It really was. And I was just happy to be a part of it. So um, I do thank Lane. I want to thank uh, also um, River Oaks Properties for giving me the opportunity to tag along. That was fun. And it was just a great weekend. Great weekend in Los Angeles. Beat the storm by about an hour and a half back here to El Paso, which was good. Saw the photos of Dodger Stadium less than 24 hours after I was there. I was there Saturday night. I ate a Dodger dog, some nachos, and a uh, batting helmet. What's the price? What are we talking right now? Dodger dog, six fifty. Okay. Batting helmet with the nachos, eleven and a quarter. And I actually thought that was a bargain. Yeah, that's they give not bad. you they give you a ton of chips. They give you all that uh, cheese you don't want to think about. And I, had, I asked for the jalapenos. Got to have the jalapenos. It was good. Solid. Solid. Under twenty bucks, and then I had um, we had a couple of twenty-four uh, uh, ounce beers, eighteen and a quarter. Ooh, there it is. Well, yeah. now I think yes, because here at Southwest University Park, it's about twelve bucks for a sixteen ounce beer. This was eighteen for a twenty-four ounce beer. So, considering it's L.A. and it's Dodger Stadium, my attitude was like, eh. You know, I mean, that's uh, that, that that was okay. That was that was part for the course. And the coolest thing, it was LeBron James bobblehead night. So they put LeBron in a Dodger jersey, gave him a number six, and put a, um, a Lakers crown on him, and gave him a basketball. And they were giving those out to the fans in attendance. And I thought that was very cool. I love that bobblehead so much. Uh, I I saw them promote this one well ahead of time, and I was like, man, this is a great uh, giveaway that they had at Dodger Stadium. By the way, SoFi Stadium. I just looked it up on my side when I went out there. Sixteen out beer, uh, sixteen ounce beer for fifteen dollars. So yeah, actually, you got I a got good a, deal. I got a bargain. Yeah, definitely. I took a twenty-four ounce Estrella Jalisco. Sweet for man. eighteen and change. Man, that's a, that's excellent. Then so I was happy. I felt like I, you know, I, I I was a winner that night, so that was good. Now, um, let's talk about the Dodger dog for a second, okay? Now, people kept telling me when I was in Copenhagen, and I was putting photos of the hot dogs I was eating in Denmark, that Dodger dogs are better. Listen to me, number one, if you don't knock it until you try it, okay? I will still say, after eating the Dodger dog, that nothing beats. The hot dogs in Copenhagen. Nothing. It's the best hot dog I've ever tasted in my life. It's not even close, in my opinion. Because it has that crispiness on the outside, like it snaps and it's delicious inside. Love the toppings. Love what they put. They put fried onions on there, among other things. It's incredible. Okay? And instead of pickle relish, they have these um, really thinly sliced sweet pickles. Great. Um, That being said, the Dodger dog is... My favorite ballpark hot dog, okay? It's grilled. It was delicious. And they they had other offerings. They had the Super Dodger dog, which was like another, um, actually, I think it was six ninety five was the Dodger dog. And then for eight fifty, they had the Super Dodger dog. And then they even had like other variations on another, in another concession stand. I, I went with the classic. I went with the old classic. I liked it. Adrian, it was good. It was delicious. So that is still, to me, Pound for pound, um, the best hot dog I've had in Major League Baseball. I'll put that right up there. 
wasn't steamed. It was grilled. Served the way it should be. So that was that was a solid. I mean, the ballpark food was fine. And you know what the best part of this game was? Not the bat, not the bobblehead, not the Dodger dog or the nachos, not even the beer. Best part of the game: two hours and five minutes. Oh wow! Game started at six ten, ended huh. by um, ended or seven ten. Um, was it seven ten or six ten? No, six ten. Six ten ended by eight fifteen. So you could not get out of your seat. You would miss a lot if you got out of your seat at that point. Fast game. Three to wow. one, fast game. Very fast game. Uh, Julio Urias pitched great. They booed Yuri Guriel every time he went up to the plate and he chanted cheater from the uh, Astros uh, trash can banging days. That was funny, even though wow. he's no longer an Astro. He's, a, uh, he's, he's now a member of the Marlins. And Mookie Betts hit two home runs. And the place went nuts. And they showed LeBron James. They blew the roof off that place. He was so, it, was, it, was, uh, it was wild. Out at Dodger Stadium. And honestly, ballpark is 61 years old. 61 years old. And it is still timeless, in my opinion. You want to hear what's crazy about Dodger Stadium? Because all these old ballparks have either been destroyed or, or you know, or um, just re- renovated. I mean, think about it. Uh, Tiger Stadium's gone. Shea's gone. Yankee Stadium was renovated. They they just completely tore down the old one, put up the new one. All these old ballparks. Dodger Stadium, as crazy as this is to believe, third oldest ballpark in Major League Baseball. Third oldest. And you want to know something? It's still a great place to watch a game. Great place to watch a game. Had so much fun. Took my wife and we had a blast. So that was a it was a very very nice weekend away. Came back and then the storm hit. Saw the pictures from the helicopter of the Dodger Stadium parking lot, which was washed away, and it was hard to believe that that was the same place I went to Saturday night to watch a baseball game. Hey, uh, real quick, I was there four years ago. I was I had nosebleed seats, and I felt like even if you have nosebleed seats at Dodger State, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. There's not a and, bad seat in the house. There really isn't, Steve. And I love I love uh, going to a game there. I would also say, uh, or I would ask you, what's it like being there while they're playing relevant baseball? Because it's one thing going to a baseball game. It's one thing uh, going in the summer. But what's it like watching relevant Dodger baseball? They won nine of their last ten. They're killing it right now. You know what? It's fun going to a ballpark and watching any kind of relevant baseball. Whenever you're going to a game and the team is good, it's really something special. And you're right. I mean, the Dodgers don't lose. That's another thing. I mean, this team is on a is on a ridiculous heater right now. They just, you know, they play great baseball. The Dodgers, Dodgers have won nine out of their last ten. I mean, they are on fire, folks, on fire. And right now. The Dodgers have the second-best record in the National League behind the Braves, and they, they nearly have the second-best record overall. The, the Orioles have them by, a game, by one game. So, no, fantastic. Great atmosphere. Sat next to a guy who was, it was his, the fourth game he's been to this season. Super happy. He was the one that was booing Guriel the loudest, yelling cheater at him, and uh, just, just fun. Fun atmosphere. The place was, was rocking. It was the second game in a doubleheader. Because remember, the, um, the first game was supposed to be the Sunday game. They moved up the Sunday game to Saturday afternoon because they knew the rains were coming and they wanted to beat the storm. So they played a doubleheader that day. So we went to the regularly scheduled game Saturday night, but Saturday afternoon there was a game as well. 
I'm happy you guys got out of there. The the photos were awful out in L.A. from what scary. we saw. Yeah, scary definitely. stuff. And I mean, I know it wasn't a hurricane; it was a tropical storm, but it hit that it hit California. I mean, just in some places, it's brutal, absolutely brutal. Even so, an earthquake, right? While it was raining, you imagine you're hard enough dealing with the floods. Then you got a 5.1 that shows up in the afternoon yesterday. What a surprise there, huh? It was crazy. So, but the point of this trip was to watch Lane in action. And we'll have him later in the week. But I got to tell you something, folks. You would be proud of Lane Frank. He held his own with everybody. Every guest he spoke to was polite. McEnroe didn't smile, but he didn't smile at anybody. Johnny Mac is such an, he is such an interesting personality. He really is. Like, he is so intense and so serious all the time. It's hard to see anything that's that's goofy. Although, there was a guy a couple of uh, areas down from Lane who brought an old-style headband like McEnroe wore in the 70s, and he put it on, and McEnroe wore one as well. So he did the interview while he was wearing the red, white, and blue headband. Wow. That was pretty. That was pretty entertaining. Did Lane get McEnroe to say, go T-Birds, or no? No. Oh, man. No, and that would have been awesome. Darn. That would have been awesome. That was a very, you know, he threw his three questions at him, and that was that. But there was some, there was definitely people out there yesterday, or on, on Friday night that were very impressed. They saw, they were realizing they were, they didn't know they were being interviewed by a 15-year-old until they saw that at the time. So that was, uh, that was also very cool. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, taller than Lil Dirk also. I mean, that was, that was pretty funny. Schoolyard sports, when he does and they cut up all the interviews, it's going to be amazing from, from, this, uh, from this dinner. So he can actually drag out a lot of this content. I mean, I'm not trying to tell him what he's what he needs to do, but he's uh, he has a, probably a lot of content for the next couple of weeks or months. Hundred percent matter uh, if he wants to, or he might just throw it into one podcast and just and just turn that podcast exclusively into like a Q and A from the uh, from the pump dinners. Yeah, a little montage. I like that. That would be cool. That would be cool. Um, saw Tim Hardaway. That was fun. Spent some time talking to Tim. Saw Steve Garvey, thanked him for headlining our sports expo about 15 years ago when we brought him into El Paso. Steve was nothing but class. Maybe 20 years ago now. It's been a while. But Garvey was amazing. Still 74, looks better than ever. Saw Dave Winfield, which for me was a real treat because um, when I was about 9 or 10 years old, I used to mail away postcards to athletes asking for autographs. Not only did Dave sign the postcard, sent me a picture. Oh, that's cool. And I told him about that. And I said, you know, I never forgot about that. Thank you for being so generous. And he was great. So all in all, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a great evening. Great weekend. So cool. So nice. And uh, thank you for holding the show down and the fourth down and just a chance to get away, come back, and be safe throughout the process. That was worth it. It really was. So... Couldn't, uh, couldn't be more thankful for that opportunity. It was really great. And we'll talk about it with Lane when he joins us later in the week. But it's game week, Adrian. It is game week here on Sports Talk with Jacksonville State coming up on Saturday. That's right, Steve. We're fired up for it. I'm ready for another season of Minor Talk. Uh, we're excited for the listeners because they get to watch some UTEP football. And this whole time, we've just been previewing the season. I'm ready to watch some football action. The preseason's kind of been a good primer uh, for football actually returning. And now college football kicks off this Saturday in Week Zero. Can't wait. Cannot wait. It's going to be fantastic. You know what else is fantastic? Charlie won.
He's back as a traffic update for us, kicking it off here on a Monday. D. Wu is filling in uh, this week for Charlie One. All week or just today? How do we know? All week, Steve. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you, D. Appreciate that. 22 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. The Miners are one-point favorites over uh, Jacksonville State. And the Gamecocks had a great year last year, 9-2. and two. They were also FCS last year. How will that translate to their home opener as an FBS member of Conference USA Saturday afternoon when this game kicks off at 3.30 from Burgess Snow Field? Nobody knows. But I'll tell you this much. They've got Rich Rod as their head coach. Um, Jack State might not be, um, you know, dominant out of the gates, but they got a coach with a ton of experience who knows how to win. They've, uh, you know, they've got a, ve- a veteran team at some spots. This will be <laughs> a tougher test than other games for UTEP. It's on the road. UTEP has not, they've not been a great road team um, in recent years, much better at home than on the road. Adrian, I'm fascinated by this game because, um, as we always say, we'll learn a lot more about UTEP after they've got a game under their uh, under their belt. That's right. For Jacksonville State, uh, they come in um, with some stats that back up, I guess, what they bring to the table from the FBS perspective. They've won 11 straight home openers, which is not a good thing if you're UTEP. Uh, UTEP has also not been great against FCS teams. I mean, let's also throw that out there. They lost uh, the first ever game in the Dana Dimmel era. Granted, that was 2018, but they lost 30-10 to to Northern Arizona. And I'm not saying that this is Northern Arizona from that time, but if even if it's Bailey Zappi and Houston Baptist from 2019, that means it could be a high-scoring game uh, going against the Miners, or it could just mean that it's a closer game than people might expect. And I think it could get close. I think that UTEP's game plan going into this one is going to be stop the run defensively and control the ball on offense for time mm. of possession. That sounds uh, that sounds interesting when you talk about the combination. And question's going to be, will uh, UTEP be able to do just that? Or will it be a little more challenging? I don't have the answer to that one. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be like their Super Bowl for Jacksonville State, transitioning from FCS to FBS. This is their first ever game at the Division One level. Oh, and by the way, they joined Conference USA, and this is a CUSA opener as well, being that it is a Week Zero game. And how about the fact that UTEP, who's hung around in this conference, has to go on the road for that first game uh, at Jacksonville State, who is making their transition into CUSA, into Division One from FCS to FBS, yet UTEP still has to travel and uh, face them on the road in Week 0. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I don't know. Um, when you look at it, how do you see – I mean, do you, do you see this like me? It could be a much closer game than people realize. Maybe a 10-point game. I, I think that you – and maybe it's either way, too. I mean, I think for UTEP, uh, they have to be able to score early, finish drives and score with touchdowns instead of settling for field goals. They have to be able to put those long, sustainable drives together, those ones that last, uh, you know, over six minutes, over 10 minutes uh, for some uh, successful drives. And that has to be the, the motto for UTEP. Now, if they're thrown out of that, if Gavin Hardison uh, has a couple turnovers or if they – 
as a team have turnovers and have way too many un- unforeseen errors in this game, then it could definitely be a struggle. And they could end up losing this game. That's the scary part and the scary reality that UTEP faces again here in Week 0. They put so much stock into that first week. They put so much stock into the season that uh, the thought of them losing isn't even there. And that has to be faced and uh, met as a reality if you're UTEP. They have to embrace these games, and they can't lose it. They have to understand these first two games mean so much uh, for this entire season. It does. And these first two games um, are what we consider must-wins for UTEP, especially knowing they have a run with Northwestern Arizona and UNLV. And if they have that 2-0 mark going into Northwestern, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, there will never be a better time ever to play this school than this year. I mean, this is it. This is the time to play them. You want to play Northwestern after a major scandal when who knows if this team is going to win a football game this year and how this team is going to come out. It is, I mean, you could not get a better opportunity if you tried than right now. And, you know, you come out and you play impressive your first two weeks. You, you, then you, you, go to, um, you go to Chicago and, you, and you, you, know, you play great and have a chance to win that one. And suddenly you're 3-0 heading into that Arizona game. Regardless of what happens against U of A, still, worst case, you're 3-1 and sitting for UNLV, best case 4-0. and That's why these first couple of games are really must-wins for UTEP. And even though this program has turned things around to a positive perspective, I thought they were below ground zero. I mean, they were just in a really bad place before Dana Dimmel got here. When you think about things like scholarships, academics, things like that, you know, even off the field, how many guys you're graduating year over year, they've really changed the program from top to bottom now with Dana Dimmel. But the next step is for them to win consistently and to also win on the road. I mean, in their successful 2021 season, they still were 2-4 and four on the road. Last year, all the expectations were there for UTEP. They were 1-5 and five as, as a team who went away from El Paso. They have to be a better road team this year, and it has to start this weekend. There can't be any excuses of, oh, it's their first game, or oh, you know, this is a long season. Be good on the road. That's the next step in this program. It is, and you're right. Because they're, they're already good at home. So if suddenly they become, okay, let's put it this way. What, are the, what, was their, what is their mark at home in the last three years? 11 and 3. Okay, so they're 11 and 3. Now let's just say they were 7 and 7 on the road, and they were 11 and 3, right? That would suddenly make you 18 and, uh, 18 and 10. Be a good football team. Yes, excellent right there. And you just get away from all the inconsistencies that have plagued you all this time. The Eastern time zone streak was snapped last year, so you got that monkey off your back. But still, UTEP's got to take the next step in their uh, progression as a football program and win more of these road games, especially if they're conference ones. What do you think? Do you think 500 is good enough on the road, or do you think this team needs – I mean, that's really it, especially if you're as automatic at home as they've been. Yeah, just be 500. I mean, you're going to win the games at home. This year – shows you more than others that there are very very favorable games at home look at the road games FIU that's winnable right there you just mentioned the power five games this weekend at Jacksonville State and then a late October game on a Wednesday at Sam Houston those are winnable games on the road they're not playing Oklahoma on the road they're not playing Ole Miss or Tennessee on the road this is a very favorable year in terms of scheduling for UTEP football listen if they go three and three on the road and five and one at home that's an eight and four football team. Eight doable. and four. Doable. It is doable. Eight and four. That's that's the recipe. All right. 
500 road ball. And then we're not telling you to be perfect at home. Five and one. Five and one. You're a eight and four football team. That's that pretty much is how you could draw it up. One of the things with Dana Dimmel to make that or to take that next jump is prove that you could be a, a good road team uh, week in and week out. And this year, he faces challenges that we haven't seen before with all the Wednesday games. But still, there's no excuses. The excuses are out the door, and they've run out because this is a veteran-led group. There's so many seniors on both sides of the ball and so many returning players on both sides of the ball or guys with playing experience on both sides of the ball. There's just zero excuses for uh, being less than at least average which is what we're asking on the road you want to talk about it we'd love to hear from you bottom of the hour line ringing in 505-6009 that's our telephone number 505-6009 as we continue here on sports talk calls coming up but first let's jump back to adrian standing by bottom of the hour sports center update thank you very much Let's keep going here on the show, 505-6009, as we continue and we'll begin with Orley. He's first up today on the west side of town. Orley, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, hear this every single year. Same stuff. This is a game they should not even be close. Uh, they're, they're transforming into FBS1, and yet they're a pick. I'm hoping the best for UTEP. But, gentlemen, the schedule this year is very favorable because the conference is not as strong as it's been in the past. Sure. I think with the exceptions of Liberty and maybe Middle and maybe uh, Western Kentucky and maybe Middle Tennessee. But those are the only three teams you've got to worry about besides the non-conference. Let's face it, UNLV is beatable. Arizona's going to be tough. Uh, Northwestern could be an opening, but it's well, the key is like last year. The key game last year was North Texas. We had the sellout. Everything was going, and then we laid an egg. Can't afford to do that this year. They need to come and set the tone early. They need to set a good game against Jacksonville State, come home and take care of business against Incarnate Ward, who I understand they lost most of their ball players. Mm-hmm. So... So that's UTEP's got to come in with the mindset at two and zero. They go into Jacksonville State and get hammered. I don't know what's going to happen with the crowd. Oh my God! So here's the deal. So here's the deal. Okay, they announced yeah. today that they're already over twenty five thousand for Incarnate Word, and there are twenty eight thousand in change for UNLV. So you already know that you have more than half the stadium filled for Incarnate, for Incarnate Ward next week. But if you play well against Jacksonville State and win the game, there is a chance you could be at 35000 for Incarnate Ward. And you want to know something? 35000 will look really, really good at the Sun Bowl for their home opener. Absolutely. But it, it, the key is they cannot go lay an egg. And they should. They should have uh, give Jacksonville State credit. Got a great coach, but he's got to build it up. Yep. UTEP should, should go in there. I can't believe they're a pick, but I can't because it's people don't give respect to UTEP because they haven't earned it either. So I just they cannot go lay an egg over there. They've got to come in and be dominant, in my opinion, for them to get. Even, it, it's so important to get those crowds, get the El Paso and the Utah fans early in the season. 
that's where you're going to do well. But like I said, last year we thought North Texas was going to be the deal, and then we laid an egg against. Of course, that was North Texas. Okay, that's a big difference. They're a little bit better than Jacksonville State. No, you're right. But you're right. But that, I, think, I mean, I'll be watching on CSTV. CSTV, I understand it's at three thirty. I already looked it up. It's on that channel, which is good. National TV, even better. All you bars in El Paso, all you bar owners, put that game on TV. You're going to have a lot of people in these bars and restaurants at least have a couple of those TVs positioned to the UTEP game so you get people excited about watching UTEP. That's free advertising. Free advertising for UTEP. Be a hometown person, a homie. About time you get there and get a hometown in here. I when I go to a place and they don't have the UTEP game on, they, they have somebody else on. Nick, well, I didn't know the game was on. Come on, someone's got to know that game's on in that bar. Oh, I know. Anyway, I know. that's just my. We got to get we got to get the establishers more involved in this town, in this team. And hopefully you will start to see that as this team plays better and better this season. So, all right, Orly, appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in. 37 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. He's right, though. That game should be on every television and every sports bar and every restaurant and sports bar in this city come Saturday at uh, at 3.30. That's right. Um, I, I guess I'll let the cat out of the bag, Steve, but uh, as far as minor talk goes, we will have a minor talk watch party that is set this Saturday. It's the first time we're ever doing this. So excited about this. We've talked about taking minor talk on the road in the past. It's a minor talk watch party for the Jacksonville State game at the District Pub and Kitchen. This is 3233 North Mesa, right by the university, and we will have minor talk after the game there live at the district. So if you've ever wanted to be a part of Minor Talk in person, uh, this is the chance this weekend. I'm so excited. We're actually doing this. This is going to be amazing. You're right. Um, listen, it's also the only location in town for uh, our watch parties and tailgates, folks. That, that's it. So, you know, uh, we will be there during the game. Adrian's going to be out there. 99-cent wing specials during all game days, not to mention 350 Jaeger rumps and fireball daily. They're going to have happy hour till 6 with 275 domestics, 375 well, $4 crown, $4 Ornitos, and then Adrian going live afterwards, and this could be uh, what we hope will be a very joyous district uh, come around 7 o'clock Saturday night. That's right. We're expecting a, a great uh, environment either way. I mean, the thing is, is you could be out there, watch all the college football games that are being played on Saturday, and then hang around. Minor Talk will be live, I figure, around 7, 8 o'clock when it's all said and done, and that'll be the first of many additions. For home games, we're talking about tailgates. For away games, we're talking about watch parties all at the district for Minor Talk. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about about this coming up and debuting this season for the first time ever, Steve. And if they've never been out to 3233 North Mesa, they got to check it out. This is the time to come. Come Saturday. Get there yeah. early. Yeah, definitely. There's actually TVs everywhere. I was there this past weekend. I realized how cool it is, and they were getting ready for the big UFC fight that was this weekend as well. Um, I realized how many screens there are. There's also three locations. So if you're an Eastsider or, P- or somebody in Central, they've got an airway location, and they've gotten a location off Piedras. So yeah. they're going to be having the game at all of them. We're going to be at the West one here right by the university. Terrific. 39 passed as Sports Talk rolls along. Uh, we got more to talk about. 
about Orly kind of set the tone for the calls today and excited about that. Um, I'm getting predictions on um, Twitter and X and, well, summer is exactly what you would expect. We'll talk about it next as we continue 600 ESPN El Paso. Or as we continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009, that's our telephone number. So we're asking you some of your thoughts for this um, football season. And I'm looking at some of the tweets coming in. First off, Adolfo at BravesFan1313, UTEP 35, Jacksonville State 17. Yeah, I think a 35-17 win. That would be, that's that's fine. That's That's convincing. Yeah, I like that uh, score prediction right there. Kind of reminds me of the Louisiana Monroe game. Uh, I I think that was four years ago. UTEP went on the road and played Louisiana Monroe as part of one of their non-conference games. This one uh, coming Saturday is a conference game, but they ended up winning that one. I believe it was 31-13, and they just dominated. It was was close at the beginning, but then they dominated uh, from the second quarter on. And maybe UTEP has, uh, you know, something to do something like that this time around. 35-17 is a Really good uh, prediction by Adolfo. Oh yeah, I agree with you. I think thirty-five seventeen is uh, is pretty. Uh, I, I'd be pleased with that. I really would. That would work. Um, Leo uh, at Leo underscore Miners fan tweets the show. Orly comment in parentheses. I think you all have talked about this, but UTEP always seems to have trouble with speedy receivers. I'm willing to bet Jack State players are fast, and that's what worries me. Well, here's one guy that I'm interested in that was not talked about today during the press conference. But, Adrian, um, he's right now listed as the starter, one of the cornerback spots, and that's A.J. Odoms, who played at uh, New Mexico last season. And I will be interested to see when Odoms is there opposite Tory Richardson, uh, what that's like at the corner spot knowing that Odoms has experience of playing for the Lobos. Yeah, this is a really good uh, point that you bring up because I think UTEP's really deep at their corner spot. I like Demir Boyd-Matthews, but I still feel like he's a younger corner who's still learning. Uh, um, A.J. Odoms will start right away at that cornerback position. He's going to bring a lot of experience. And then on the opposite side, you have Latrez Shelton, who yep. is now known as Trez Moore. Uh, he is not necessarily your starter, but it is Tory Richard who will get the nod as the starting uh, shutdown corner for the Miners. And Torrey Richardson should have been last year's starter in the entire season had he not been injured. So uh, at that cornerback position, I feel like UTEP is deep. I just worry on the safety spot. Beyond Kobe Hilton, he's their standout guy in the secondary. Beyond him, who else will step up? I'm with you. And by the way, I also like the Elijah Johnson, Josiah Allen nickel uh, depth because they both have terrific experience for UTEP. Yeah, I think those guys have registered a ton of games under their belt. Uh, Elijah Johnson has eight career starts with UTEP, even though he is only a redshirt freshman. How crazy is that? Redshirt freshman with eight career starts. And it's because he's uh, been thrown in as a taxi squad player all the way back in the 2020 season. You could see him uh, be on that team um, you know, with the minors when he shouldn't have been on the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just because he's got a lot of uh, starting experience under his belt since being with the team all the way back in 2020. Ten in front of five as Sports Talk continues a little bit later on. Uh, Chris Hanna. 
from Now or Never. The Tony Romo documentary has some exciting news for us. He'll join us to lead off our 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Talk from our um, 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Properties Schoolyard Sports Studios. In the meantime, let's jump back to the phones. Chad is up next. Chad, happy Monday. How are you? Happy Monday, Steve. How you doing? Keep it moving. Uh, thanks for the vine. Uh, just checking in to see uh, what's going on, man. Is everybody thinking that uh, the football team is on fire and already burning down and we haven't even got to Saturday yet? Is that is that what you're telling me? Well, you tell me. I mean, just uh, based on what you're hearing from people right now. And by the way, I didn't even mention uh, this little nugget that um, was uh, sent in on Twitter from Poncho. UTEP football goes one and three to start the season. We'll see if quarterback uh, Gavin Hardison made any progress during the off season. Uh, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. Steve. It's, it's, you know, what do you guys keep saying? They're like nine and two at home the last two years. Is that what you said? Or? Eleven and three over the last three years. Eleven and three at home over the last three years. They're having trouble on the road. And we haven't we haven't had a snap yet, and they're one and three. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't get it. I I never will. Yes, am I going to drink the Kool Aid? Yes, I am. I drink the Kool Aid every year because I want them to be good. I want them to win. I want them to be the best that they can be because this you this school is in our city. We we support them, but to start off the season just. Giving them a hard time and one and three, Steve. Come on, man. That's just—I don't get it. I, I don't get—I don't get what goes on in people's minds when it comes to this school. And I—and I don't think I ever will, bro. I don't think I ever will. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Yep, I'm with you. Um, all I can tell you more than anything else is that. Um, you know, some people have seen it so many times over the years. It's hard, even when the season's getting ready to begin with so much excitement and optimism, to buy in just because when you've seen the same, it's like Groundhog Day. You've seen it so many times, yeah. you just aren't ready to embrace the fact that things could finally be turning in a different direction. Of course, but you know what? You have to look at it as a glass half full. And, yes, have we seen it? Yeah, I was with you. I was with you when Aaron was there. And they were they were decent. They were pretty good, you know. But I was also with you when he was gone. So, I mean, it's both ends here. Both ends. So, there's no, uh, you know, there's, 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 no, there's no reason to, to, to be that, that pessimistic when we haven't even had a snap yet. So, that's all I got to say. Thanks so much. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your show. And, uh. Have a great Monday. And, hey, at least you were at the ravine before it became a pond, man. That's That's awesome. That is true. That is true. Chavez Ravine was actually a ravine. It wasn't a lake. Oh, my goodness. Those pictures are crazy. But, hey, uh, he's he's right about that. Had a great time. Loved it. And uh, I'm telling you what, I love that two-hour and five-minute baseball game. That That is something. That is crazy. Boy. I mean, it's like a, it was like going to a Chihuahuas game. It was so fast. Hadn't seen that one that quick. But the pitchers worked fast also, and that also made it a very, uh, very quick game. 
when pitchers work fast and they want to get in and out, that uh, that helps. Uh, thoughts on Chad's call before we wrap up the hour? Yeah, I, you know, I, it's interesting. I think there are a lot of UTEP fans out there, or some, I should say some UTEP fans out there, cheer for the team to do bad. And we've talked about this a lot over the years, but there are just people out there who they take uh, interest in when UTEP loses and dunking on UTEP to think, oh, you know, gotcha. And it's kind of weird that I feel like UTEP has those kinds of fans within their pro program just those who cheer whenever they fall or lose i'm with you and all i can tell you is this um sometimes i feel like people get uh more excited talking about losses than they do wins we've seen it on the show for some reason utep wins never as uh the, the phone lines are never as busy uh, as they would be following a loss it's weird but that's just the reality of the situation that's just utep fans for you don't it get it Hey, we got a Twitter poll question that still has two hours left. We asked you on Friday, how many wins will UTEP have this season? In fact, you can vote one to three, four to five, six to eight, or nine to 11. Two hours left to vote. We will announce the totals before the end of today's show. Meantime, five o'clock hour right around the corner. So much more to talk about as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, back here on Sports Talk as we continue with hour number two of three. We're asking you to vote on our Twitter poll on X, Twitter. By the way, um, I lost TweetDeck because apparently if you don't subscribe to Twitter Blue, you don't have TweetDeck privileges anymore. Thank you, Elon. That is another lost uh, privilege due to stupidity more than anything else. But I guess, uh, Adrian, uh, again, you might, you, will you cave? Or I think I might. Are you seriously going to cave and you're going to start giving them eight <laughs> bucks or nine bucks a month? Um, I think I might cave and then hide the blue check. I think you, you uh, are allowed to do that. Uh, I don't want anybody to know I give money over there, but literally, strictly for productivity purposes. Man, I don't know how I'm going to deal with the whole season without TweetDeck. For our listeners who don't know what TweetDeck is, um, it's ma- I mean, it really is made for journalists. It's made for people like us who need to report things in real time or have a string of of things that they need to post on social media and TweetDeck uh, had everything organized for me. I personalized mine and I had my feed just like I liked it and then he stripped it away from me. So now I might just pay back just for TweetDeck alone, Steve. Do you know for sure that you get TweetDeck if yes, you subscribe to the Blue? You do. You do. All right. Well, but I mean, listen, it's it's so difficult to do that. You're either going to have to pay 8 bucks a month or $84 a year. I'm not happy about either of those right there. Why do we have to pay for this? I don't have to pay for I'm any not, other social I'm not, media. I'm not paying for it. I, I'm saying we as, a, we as a collective. I've given up. Uh, you know what? Screw TweetDeck. That's my attitude. The hell with it. I'm done. I'm just going to go back to just old regular Twitter, X, and I'm not even going to call Whatever it is. It's fine. Whatever that platform is now. I guess it's X That's or Twitter. Whatever you want to call it. That's. I'm going back to the basics. I am not. I can't do it. I can't do it. And you shouldn't do it either. Okay, you know what? Maybe we should just make a pact all here at 600 ESPN El Paso. We are throwing the bird at Twitter, and we are not happy about it whatsoever, so we will not be giving them any of our money. Good. Considering it used to be a bird, and now you're going to throw at the bird, I like that. That's that's the kind of Adrian Broadus that I like. I like, I do, I like fiery, fiery. Adrian. That's <laughs> okay. exactly what I like. I like I'll fiery, I like fiery AB. That's good stuff. So, anyway. 
All right, let's go to the phones. What do you say? We got Ed. Is this Minor Eddie Mack on the I line? I think so. I think he's back. Minor Eddie Mack is back? Because it is the start of football season. Um, is this <laughs> is this, is this this really Minor Eddie Mack? Yes, sure. It sure is. It's been a long, hot summer. It has been, man. It has been. Are you going to uh, Are you going to throw some of your classic zingers that you normally send out on uh, Twitter or X uh, during the phone call? Are you going to Are you going to do that? Because I'm curious, how long does it take for you to come up with some of these crazy hashtags of yours and these the way you <laughs> rhyme and put this stuff together? Like, do you put serious thought behind it, or do you just have the ability to come up with that on a whim? No, it just whops, it just comes right out. But you know, wow. there's people that have accused me of being uh, on drugs. Let's just be honest. Who have said, "What are you on?" Yeah, I think I what was one of those people. And I think I, I think I once told Adrian <laughs> during the break that you got to be on something because it just doesn't doesn't sound right. Like you're you're when you used to smile and take those pictures of yourself smiling with like a basketball in the background, it was. That was that was like next level stuff, man. I didn't. I used to tell Adrian, "What is going on with Minor Eddie Mac?" <laughs> well, it's just it's, it's it feels good. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not on Twitter right now because I've gotten so frustrated with Elon. It's like, can you just can you just sell cars and, and can you just get out of the, the Twitter business? I mean, that's not even the brand name anymore. No, it's X. So I've been pretty frustrated with all that situation. But you but, want to know um, something? The truth is, you know, the way you post and the way you act, I will be happy to say that you're on X because that does make a lot of sense with everything you've done over the past. I'll say that you're on X, which is what it's called now. So it's perfect. Ed, this, this is like this platform is built for you. All right, Steve. I'll be. I'll, I'll uh, give you my word that I'll get back on. How's that? That sounds like a winner. You agree, Adrian? I think that sounds great. I love it. All right. What's going on? What do you think is going to happen this weekend? Okay. First of all, yes, we always seem to have a lot of pessimism around the program and the team. I mean, part of it is historical. But I'm going to go back to what I've been saying. First of all, this is actually Dana Dimmel's fifth year. And he said it was going to take five years because I don't consider COVID to be a year. So to me, this is Dimmel's fifth year. I also think that Dana Dimmel has done something that no other football coach in the history of this program has ever done, and that's create a team with that's physically talented that can compete with a lot of America's teams, uh, strong enough, big enough, and deep enough. And so this is this is a new era for UTEP football. We lost games last year by plays. Not by players, by plays. Yep. And I, I think this year, I think this year, that if things don't go the way they're supposed to go, it's going to be because of players making mistakes and not because of the preparation and the talent that's on the field. This is my most profound opinion about this. And we saw it last year. We saw some players make some mistakes. We saw a drop pass. When nobody was around, we saw some interceptions. So, to me, this season doesn't go good. It's on the players, not the coaches. And there's one other thing I want to say. I'm not going to predict games, but if the minors are within eight points at the beginning of the fourth quarter, that, in my opinion, is a competitive football team. And I'm going to predict that they will be competitive in about 85% of their games. 
So the Miners, um, you believe, well, you say UTEP will be competitive in 85% of the games or Jacksonville State will be competitive? No, no. I'm saying that the Miners, if they go into the fourth quarter of the entire season oh, I got and, they're, and they're within a, a eight points, which is a touchdown and, a, and an extra point conversion, yep. that, they, that, in my opinion, is a competitive football team sure. and that they will be 85% competitive for the entire season. So Fair. what does that tell you? How many games am I saying that I'm thinking they're going to be competitive? Well, if they're competitive in 85% of their games and they play 12 games during the year, you could easily see them going 9 and 3, can't you? Well, I'm I'm not saying that they're I'm not saying that they're going to win those games. Remember, I'm just saying that they're going to be competitive. I'm not predicting that they're going to win 9 games. I'm just telling you that right. for me, for the history of this program, if they're within eight points at the beginning of the fourth quarter, this is competitive, in my opinion. All right, let me let me uh, let me take this uh, this approach. Okay, I thought they were competitive last year. All right, and they went five and seven, and they were competitive. I don't want to see them competitive. I want to see them win football games. I want to see them well, not a five and seven team, uh, Eddie Mac. I want to see them as an eight and four team or a nine and three team. I think that it's that is the next logical progression and step, like we've talked about. And I agree with you, Steve, but all I'm saying here is if it doesn't happen after the game, we're going to say, okay, it was a player that made a mistake that did not allow the team to win. And, you know, little plays here and there. And that's all. Last year was the same thing. If you look at the few little plays that made a difference, we should have gone bowling. I mean, look at look at the last game of the season. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it just a few plays here and there? Sure. And we would have been bowling. Right. Okay, right. so uh, I'm excited about it. I love my team. I will be there. I love the Miners. I'm excited about Dana Dimmel and his staff. And I'll tell you what, we haven't even begun to talk about all the talented positions, the running back, the experience of the quarterback, the defense, the, the defensive line, the maturity and the experience of the offensive line. There is plenty of talent, plenty of experience, and plenty of strength, and and uh, this is a big physical team, and there's no reason why they aren't can't be competitive. Appreciate the call, Miner Ready Mac. Thanks for getting in. Um, I'm with him, but again, um, I'll say this before the season starts. Okay, I don't want to see UTEP competitive. I want to see the next progression from being competitive. I thought they've been competitive each of the last two seasons. And they won seven games two years ago. They won five games last year. And they've been competitive in the majority of those games over the last two years. Nobody's arguing that. They've been competitive. So now, once you're competitive, you got to win. That's that's the next progression after being competitive. So, Adrian, that's why, to me, um, if the record doesn't come out but they're competitive, that's not a consolation prize. That is not it. I don't want to see a competitive football team that wins five, six games every year. I want to see a competitive football team that goes out and can win eight, nine games every year. There are fans out there who want to, who don't care about um, you know UTEP playing a good or entertaining game. They want UTEP to whoop some of these teams that they feel they feel are much less quality yes. of programs than UTEP. I mean that goes back to Orley's call uh, in his philosophy that UTEP should kill Jacksonville State this weekend by sure name only. But there are fans out there like Minor Eddie Mack who are uh, content with a uh, competitive football team. And to his point, I mean I'll speak his language. UTEP. It, 
had uh, seven games last year that were decided by 11 or fewer points. So seven of their games last year of their 12 were decided by 11 or fewer points. They were three and four in those games right there. And three of those losses, of those four losses, were on the road, Steve. So it goes back to being competitive, but actually winning on the road. Here's the problem, okay? How many people are, are content with them being competitive besides minor Eddie Mack? Eight to ten thousand that go into the to the Sun Bowl, yes. and that's and that's about it. So you know what? It's not good enough. You got to win. The only way you are going to solve attendance issues and make money in this football program is to go win football games. That's it. That is it. Um, Dana Dimmel has turned this program in five years into um, what it's been the majority of the Mike Price era. Competitive. Price was competitive every year when he was at UTEP. Sometimes they only won four or five games, but they were competitive. They they scored points. They didn't have a defense most of the time, but they scored points. They were competitive. Wasn't good enough. You must win games if you're going to bring fans, get people excited in this town again, and turn the program around. That is the only goal that UTEP really can have when it comes to football. Yeah, and do it year after year, too. I mean, even Dana Dimmel was talking today about how last year's goal was to become uh, the first team since Mike Price's teams in 2004 and 05 did it to go back-to-back bowl games and back-to-back winning seasons. Uh, now they're trying to be uh, one of the first teams to do it uh, you know, twice in three seasons, but still, I mean, uh, Dana Dimmel wants to hold this uh, program to a high standard where they're going to bowl games year after year, where they're having winning seasons year after year and until fans start to see that consistency happening happening year over year they won't come out that they need to see a winner on the field in order to come out to these games and uh, the UTEP program does a good job of asking the community to buy in early on into the season well where will the fans be once the season is about to wind down I mean that's my question because that's where you're either playing relevant football or irrelevant football and just just waiting for the season to end. You're right. You're right. 16 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Wow. Augustine has made a comeback. He has risen from the dead to comment on this particular topic. We'll tell you what he says and what you say. 600 ESPN El Paso on X, on Twitter, as well as our free mobile app powered by First American Bank, 505. 505- 6009. That's the old fashioned way on the phone lines as we send it out to the one and only D Woo and get ourselves a traffic update. D, how are we doing? Reactor from our friends at X minus one, giving us a few minutes here at 21 past the hour. Looking forward. They tell me that there's new, they got new music uh, that they're going to be releasing, and I'm excited to help debut some of that on 600 ESPN El Paso. With our good friends, Christian and Dave, X-1. Right now, though, I want to go to social media, specifically Twitter, X, whatever you refer to it as. Augustine, who's alive and well. He messages us, I love this positivity from minor fans, said the last 50 years of UTEP football. Hey, man, he knows better than anybody you got to be, uh, they're zero and zero right now. It's the start of a new year. And the truth is this. If, and I always preface it by saying if, there was ever a time to turn this program around, this is about 
as good an opportunity as you're going to get. New league, bunch of new teams, bunch of schools coming up from FCS, veteran team, quarterback that's been doing this a long time, um, a very talented O&D line, a deep running back class, um, solid linebackers and, and DBs. And, and, and Adrian, again, we never know with injuries what's going to happen. But on paper, um, you can look at this team, this game over the weekend, and think that this could be the start of something special. Right. I mean, this is what they've worked hard to build here uh, at UTEP with Dana Dimmel bringing the Kansas State model here to this program, and it's building it through a lot of junior college transfers. It's building it with high school players that they've developed along the way and uh, some transfer portal players that they've sprinkled into the mix. Uh, but now it's it's kind of gotten to this point. They've got Gavin Hardison, who has over 30 career starts under his belt as a starting quarterback. And when you have that much experience, experience at that position in particular that's a window I mean Zay was mentioned that on Friday and I like the word that he used it's the window of opportunity right there for UTEP and that window is going to close after this year knowing that this is Hardison's last season what's after that uh, after this season at the quarterback position I'm already looking ahead to next year and thinking that in the back of my head if I'm UTEP so you have to strike now this has to be the year where you have success you're right and I know we say this a lot but it's also year six for Dana Dimmel. And contract-wise, if they do well, he could earn a very, very nice new extension when it's all said and done. And when I say, well, I don't mean another 7-5 and five season. I'm talking 8-4, and 9-3, and three, whatever it is. If he has a big year and they, they, they win a lot of games, they draw a lot of fans, that uh, could, as I mentioned uh, you know, a few weeks ago, turn Dana Dimmel into the first true million-dollar coach in UTEP history. Good point. I also think that you have to look at some of the staff members here who have ascended through this program as well. I mean, Barrick Neely is a perfect example who is just a pretty much like a recruiting coordinator or something like that, like a, like a special staff member initially. Then he was promoted to running backs coach. He's all the way now as assistant head coach now, so you have to figure he could be up for another big job yep. at another place after this season if they have success. Same with head uh, with uh, associate head coach Matt Wallerstein. That's another guy. He's transformed that defensive line. That defensive line could be one of the best in the conference, if not the best in CUSA. And he could be up for big jobs after this year, too. So you have to think of the staff as well, alongside Dana Dimmel and those guys wanting something bi- uh, bigger and better after this season. I'm also looking, you know, but then you got veterans like Bradley Dale Pivato, who's been around a long time. He's been through the uh, the battles, and he comes in and kind of continues right where they left off defensively and takes the next step with that defense. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm not saying that he doesn't have to be as, uh, you know, he doesn't have to be um, involved, but he doesn't have to be as involved. Dana Dimmel in the defensive meetings, he can kind of take a step back there, trust Bradley Dale Pivato's defense throughout these past years that he's established and developed through this system, and then focus more on the offense, really rectifying that offense, uh, working closely with Gavin Hart as he said he has over this offseason, and really making sure the offense does their job and holds their end. That's true. By the way, um, I saw a, 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 a post from the Dodgers earlier today on social. The water is gone from the parking lot. Breaking news. There is, no, there is no water anymore. Looks beautiful out there. Great. That's, uh, that's excellent, man. That was a little scary. <laughs> Very scary. Uh, this came in from Callaway 007. I am hyped for the season. 
and I feel they will surprise a lot of people. People need to stop with the negativity. Be happy football is back. Enjoy life. It's too short. Hashtag minor football. There you go. Enjoy life. It's too short. Well, hey, don't uh, disagree with that. And I think that every minor fan on the planet is hoping this is the year. We say that every year. But it's game week. Veteran team. Expectations. Look, nobody really has expectations about UTEP outside of us. Let's be honest. You know, uh, although Phil Steele has expectations. But, I mean, the media poll picked him sixth. Nobody's really thinking too much about UTEP right now. So they're definitely flying under the radar more this year than they did uh, 12 months ago. And I'll tell you this. I think this weekend Jacksonville State will appear as a trendy upset pick for some people. I don't know if you really call it an upset if they're just uh, one-point underdogs. That's more of just a pick them right there. But still, I mean, it's an FCS team making their transition to FBS, their first-ever Division One game at this level, hosting it at home against UTEP. I think this will be a trendy pick for a lot of prognosticators over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I think they'll side with Jacksonville. State not really, and and they'll overlook UTEP going into Week Zero. Leo underscore Miners fan also uh, just uh, commented. Uh, John Teicher said Dana Dimmel is now spending more time with the quarterbacks and wide receivers, and that is going to make a big difference with the offense. I certainly would like for this to happen. That is true. He said it today at the press conference that he is very very involved with Gavin Hardison. And uh, the quarterback room more than he's ever been before. So even though Scotty O'Hara is the offensive coordinator now, I think Dana Dimmel is taking an even bigger, um, you know, amount of responsibility with that quarterback room to make sure that they'll be ready to go. We know what the offensive coordinator role does or doesn't do at UTEP. And what they don't do at UTEP is call plays. The play caller on this team is Dana Dimmel, the head coach of this team. And so the fact that he's working closer with quarterbacks and wide receivers is a a really uh, big thing for this team. They needed that. They needed that this entire time. And for him to work closely with Hardison, that allows Gavin to take that next step in his progression. And then you look at the wide receiver group. It's a lot of new faces it's uh yeah you have Kelly Akari and Tyron Smith returning but then it's guys who still haven't really proven what they could do on the field Amari White Marcus Bellin uh Jeremiah Ballard guys with tons of potential but they still need to actually put it on the field uh in a real game and show what they could do for UTEP just saw this from Pinky on the 600 ESPN El Paso app uh powered by First American Bank have been to JSU several decades ago That area had Gamecock signs, paraphernalia everywhere. It's a local university in a very small town and only four, and it's the only four year college in the area. Very much supported. Talking about Jacksonville State. Okay, good stuff there, Pinky. I would also say uh, Danny Willett. I believe he's a former Masters winner. Uh, he is a uh, alum from Jacksonville State. And the only reason I know that is Jim Nance said it yesterday in the BMW Championship promoting UTEP versus Jacksonville State. How about that? That's interesting. Uh, that is. Um, Augustine just asked, who's more delusional, Cowboys fans or minor fans? <laughs> That's a funny one. That That's is pretty good. good. That is pretty good. Um you know what we should do? should put a poll question up. Who's more delusional? A, Cowboys fans. B, Miners fans. C, Augustine. 
<laughs> and let's see and let's see who ends up uh, getting the majority of the votes. Yeah, I think this one might be an overwhelming finish right there, but yeah. I like that. I do too. I think that'd be interesting. So, all right. Anyway, uh, hitting the bottom of the hour, middle of the show today, 505-6009. The Sports Talk continues heading back over to Mr. Broadus, standing by with this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. We keep things moving here on the program. Once again, 505-6009 gets you right on in and through to the show. Neff Poppy tweets the show on uh, on on the on the program. Steve, is there a D option? All of the above, meaning Cowboys fans, Miners fans, and Augustine are all delusional. It's not bad. That's not that's not a bad answer either. Yeah, we might have to add that to the to the poll right there. I like it, Neff Poppy. I like that one too. I think that's uh, I think that's solid. I do. I think that's very solid. All right. Hey, folks, want to keep it moving uh, on the program, though, as uh, we continue. So uh, we've talked a lot of UTEP to begin the show. The story about the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, it's another example of how the NFL is devaluing running backs. Simply put, this is what it is. I mean, he wants to get paid, and now he has been granted permission to seek a trade. Um, and apparently the Colts want significant trade compensation for Taylor. How interesting. They want a first-round pick or a collection of picks that equates to one when nobody even uses first-round picks on running backs anymore. Yeah, a really good point. I mean, also, I think that this has to come from a contender who thinks, oh, we'll get a late first-round pick. So we're willing to part ways from this first-round draft pick on our side. So you got to figure a Buffalo Bill, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills could be in- involved in this. Maybe the Cincinnati Bengals could be involved in this. Uh, I'm not sure if they still have it, but if the Chiefs have their first-round pick, although they're probably content with Isaiah Pacheco in their backfield, point is, you look at the contenders, those are the teams who would probably be willing willing to part ways from that first round draft pick. But then again, you you think if you're a team out there, do we save this first round draft pick and spend it on something that we can use immediately? Or do we uh, give this one away for Jonathan Taylor? And in reality, that is our first round draft pick. So when you're, you're prioritizing things, if you don't value running backs as an organization, well, you probably are out of contention for, uh, for trading for Jonathan Taylor in this scenario. Here's the problem with Jonathan Taylor. He hurt himself last year. He's flunked the physical because of his surgically repaired ankle. And as great as he was his first couple of years, it's hard to have leverage when you're coming off an injury and you don't know if he'll even be close to the same running back again. Well, how much of this is injury and how much of this is unwillingness to join camp by Jonathan Taylor as a result of the lack of contract discussions that have gone on in the background? I think Jim Ursay and Jonathan Taylor right now are are at odds. They don't agree with each other. They don't trust each other. And that's probably why Jim Irsay says, okay, Jonathan Taylor, you want to trade so bad? Go ahead, seek it. Let's see anybody out there in the league who's willing to pony up for what our asking price is for you. But again, you know what? He complained of issues associated with a surgically repaired right ankle when he arrived for camp, failed his pre-camp physical, and then he was put on the uh, the pup list where he remains, and he hasn't practiced with the Colts since he's been placed on the injured reserve last December. So the truth is, if you're the Colts, 
How do you break the bank for someone where you really don't know will that ankle continue to give him problems and will this be a you know a long-term issue with somebody that despite his success we've seen it time and time again how teams could plug running it's just next man up plug him in let him play that's they don't care about running backs anymore in this league i'm not uh, against the idea that the colts um you know or that he's actually injured uh, i would just say the timing of all these injury reports are very interesting knowing that they came after his contract discussions have stalled between him and the front office and then reports of him possibly sitting out the season started to circulate well his agent was out there and saying hey wait wait, wait, wait. we still got to get paid and so the only way you can actually get paid in that situation is if you have some kind of an injury, is if you have some kind of lingering issues. And I think that's why they're trying to do all these breadcrumbs right now. If you're a fantasy owner, you probably don't draft Jonathan Taylor this year if nope. you have a draft this week. But if he ends up getting dealt, then of course you jump at the chance for Jonathan Taylor, uh, especially if he joins a contender. All I know is this. His first two years were terrific. His second year was amazing. Then last year, even before he got hurt, he had four touchdowns and 861 yards in 11 games. That's less than 100 yards a game on the ground. So he wasn't the same last year in year three. And now he's coming off a major injury. I understand why there's doubt, especially since nobody prioritizes running backs anymore. So maybe you can. You know what? I don't think they're going to get a first-round pick for him. And I don't even know if they're going to get – they're not going to get Christian McCaffrey money for our value for him. So I'm interested to see what Jonathan Taylor gets on the open market. I am really, you know, this is a, this is a fun one to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's also um, especially um, interesting knowing that the Colts don't really have a lot of depth at running back right now. Kenyon Drake is their featured back along with Zach Moss, who's uh, going into the season uh, with a bit of an injury on his side. So a lot of uncertainty for the Colts at the running back position going into the season. Not where you want to be at all trying to build depth uh, and trying to have some kind of continuity at that position. I think if I was to make my best educated guess on this situation, I think he stays within the Colts, but maybe he sits out the first couple games and has this kind of standoff between uh, himself and the front office. And if if and when he's healthy this year, maybe he joins a team begrudgingly and then he uh, asks for a trade in the offseason. Do we even know if he's going to be healthy this season? Well, all – um, all signs point to him uh, being healthy by the season's start. However, he has continued to cite this lingering injury on his side that a lot of team doctors haven't really met with him and actually evaluated him on. So we know he flunked his pre-camp physical. If he took it right now, would he pass it? Do we even know? Good question. I have no clue. That's a good question. I don't know either. 38 past the hour. A sports talk continues. 505-6009. So much more to get to from a busy weekend in the NFL as they get closer to the start of their season. Major League Baseball over the weekend as well. So keep it tuned. We've got uh, plenty more over the final hour and 20 minutes, including Chris Hanna, the Now or Never Tony Romo documentary. He's got some exciting news to talk about with that. We'll do that uh, here to begin our 6 o'clock hour on 600 ESPN El Paso. 505-6009, that is our telephone number to get into the show. Love to hear from you. Um, how many of you have really been watching NFL preseason football? I know Adrian has. He never shies away from telling me about that. 
Um, and I've always felt that preseason football is uh, completely and utterly meaningless. Uh, that's just me personally. I've never really found it to be too, uh, you know, too worrisome. However, that being said, Cowboys lost again, this time to Seattle, by a score of 22-14. to 14. Deuce Vaughn continues to shine for Dallas. I don't know how much use he will get during the regular season, but when the ball goes into his hands, good things have been happening, Adrian. He gets into the end zone, and I still think he's got a chance to be a nice weapon for the Cowboys as a rookie. I like Deuce Vaughn a lot. I liked him at TCU. I thought he was a gamer. I thought he was somebody who they uh, could throw in the mix and could actually make uh, relevant things actually happen in relevant games. Uh, so I've, I've been impressed by Deuce Vaughn as well. I don't know how many uh, snaps he'll actually play this year, but I'll tell you that I'm not as excited as their running back group at, you know, going into the season as I initially thought. So he might get those opportunities. And if uh, Tony Pollard, it takes him some time to still get back onto the field uh, fully healthy for off that injury that he suffered last year, then maybe Deuce Vaughn can uh, climb the depth chart for the running backs and uh, see the field a little bit more you know, than maybe we initially expected. Maybe that's the case. That could be the case. Um, I'll say this much. The worst takeaway from that game was losing uh, DeMarvian Overshawn. That is a very, very tough loss to that defense. I love Overshawn. Um, and tearing an ACL in his left knee in the first quarter of that game uh, is a big blow. And now here's a guy who's going to miss the season and definitely was somebody that could have given the Cowboys a nice boost at the linebacker spot. Yeah, that's uh, tough news right there, big time. I know that they were concerned about that. Um, that was something that they weren't able to escape right there and overshone. Uh, he's somebody who they were uh, expecting to rely on in terms of his depth. So I'm, I'm not sure what, what they're going to be doing there at that spot, at the linebacker spot, to shore that up and to add more depth. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, by the way, he walked off the field under his own power, but then he uh, wrote a card to the locker room. That's the Seattle running back. They were really excited out of U.S. Uh, UCLA. And so, I, I don't know. I mean, um, of course, people like these preseason games uh, to watch some of the rookies, but you don't want to see some of those rookies or veterans get hurt uh, in the preseason when nothing actually matters. No, I hate that. And that's also why when we talk about um, essentially a, um, you know, not playing the starters, not playing somebody like Dak and not playing your, your regulars. This is why you're just worried about something happening. You really are. So overshone is uh, that's a tough that's a tough injury. That is a really, really tough injury for the Cowboys right now. And they did not need that. They needed they needed overshone to be healthy. And unfortunately that's uh you know it's not going to happen, and you know they weren't very deep to begin with at the linebacker spot. They just became a little more thin. You know, one of the interesting parts about preseason, you look at all these teams, it's interesting the philosophy that these coaches have. Like Mike McCarthy, he'll play some starters and then won't even touch others. Like Dax is out there in street clothes, same with CD, same with guys like Diggs. And, and you know, you, you talk about some of the household names. Those guys aren't even suiting out for these preseason games. But you even look at the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes takes a drive. Uh, he He's out there playing a little bit. So it's interesting the philosophies between all these teams some start 
their starters and have them go in preseason action. Some don't even think about it in fear of any kind of injuries, just like we're talking about right here. Yeah, that's true. Um, Augustine uh, messages and says, wait, Steve, you say preseason football is useless, yet you go to preseason baseball in Arizona. Very good point. Uh, the reason is, is that when you go to preseason baseball games, majority of the time the starters will play at least half of every game. They don't, uh, you know, they don't get benched a lot, and they don't just voluntarily sit. You're not worried about players getting injured during uh, spring training the way you are. Players getting hurt during preseason football. Hey, I'll say this: if you knew that your starters would not get injured, you probably would see them play a lot more in the exhibition than you do right now. But the risk for injury is severe in football. Baseball, not even close. So there's a reason why, you know, uh, spring training is so popular in baseball. You see the starters, and it's a completely different argument because you don't deal with injuries like you do in football. Yeah, you can't compare the two at all. You, I think you could compare joint practices that these NFL teams have with some of those, uh, you know, preseason games that you're watching in spring training for baseball. Because those joint practices, those are when the starters actually play. They're going all out in yep. those, and they're also getting injured in those joint practices, but that's when uh, some of these NFL players really, really gear up. Good point. Let's go to Luis. He joins us next as we continue here on Sports Talk. Shalom, Luis. How are you? Oh, no, no. I'm having the blues, man. Yeah, I hear you. The blues, the Cowboys, the Yankees, my favorite teams since the 60s. What could pass out? What's going on? Now, tell me, McCarthy calling the place. What do you think about it? And also tell me, how long can McCarthy be the head coach? If they don't win, if they don't get to the Super Bowl, to the playoffs, tell me, Steve-O. Sure, be happy to, Luis. And I'll get Adrian's thoughts on this, too. If the Cowboys don't go to the playoffs, this could be the last year you see Mike McCarthy as head coach. Now he's got the play-calling responsibilities. The offense is going to run directly through him. Adrian, if they take a step back and they struggle this year, I do not see any way Mike McCarthy comes back. Especially of how bad the NFC looks on paper right now. There's nobody in the NFC North right now that I'm I'm really excited about. No one in the South uh, that's even worthy of a playoff spot. We should just uh, discredit all of the NFC South. Yep. And then the NFC West, yeah, there's the 49ers and the Seahawks, but I'm not getting worried about the Cardinals or the Rams, uh, at least on paper right now. So the Cowboys in a winnable NFC, they've got to do it. I, I'm not telling you that they have to win the division, but they have to get to the playoffs at least. What do you think, Luis? No, he left. I thought, and, uh, what I think is that there's no tomorrow, man. Yep. Uh, I, and, and That's right. These injuries, you know, that, that happened yesterday, I keep forgetting the names. Who were the guys that went down? Well, Overshone is the one that is out for the year with the ACL injury, and that's the big one. He was a third-round pick for the Cowboys. They needed him. And how many wide receivers do the Cowboys uh, have? Oh, they have a ton, a ton of wide receivers. In fact, I don't necessarily think they really lost. Oh, they lost rookie tight end John Stevens Jr. He also was looking for a roster spot. He suffered a toy in ACL in that Seattle game as well. So yeah, and when and give me your finally, your both of you guys, what are your uh, uh, what is your opinion on the defense? They say that they're. They're strong. 
Yeah, I like, listen, the Dallas D should keep them in a lot of games this season. I don't really see, you know, them them struggling because of the defense, Adrian. But that being said, um, you know, uh, injuries like this are going to hurt. If they lose another, if they lose somebody else, the linebacker spot, it's going to kill them. Right. I mean, Micah Parsons, I think, is the most physically imposing player right now in football. I think he's one of the best players you're going to find on defense in all the sport. And I think that they're just going to hope that he stays healthy along with Diggs, who's been fantastic early on in his career. And if those guys are healthy, that's the foundation of a great defense. Luis, great phone call, man. We appreciate you. Thanks for getting in. All right. Two in the books, one to go. Stay with us. More in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Live. From the 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Properties, Schoolyard Sports Studios. We've got Chris Hanna with us from ZGN Productions, the mastermind behind Now or Never, the Tony Romo story. And Chris, I think, has some pretty exciting new news for us. Uh, bring that microphone a little closer to us, Mr. Hanna. Great to see you back, and uh, how you doing? Steve, thank you for having me again, as always. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm doing better. I'm doing great, you know, with these news and everything that we got working on with this film. You know, every time you come in, you look a little older, look a little like uh, more seasoned in the business. Uh, it's so interesting. I first met you. You were in one of my uh, EPCC audio production classes, and you've come so far since then. I'm between you and Samotes. I'm proudest of the two of you. I really am. But man, oh man, you're uh, you're rolling right now, aren't you? You know, uh, it's been a couple years that really uh, humble you down, and they really teach you a lot about the business. And it's not just uh, getting, you know, this one guy that was my hero, Tony Romo, to let me make a film. Once that's all good and gravy, right, you got to then tackle the next big uh, dragon, and that was the NFL. So you see me with all these gray hairs because, you know, they've grown through this you know, licensing, as I call licensing wars with the NFL. Man, but. you're going to say gray hairs. I see, like, if, so in other words, if you have patches of hair that's lost, you know that's from the NFL too, right? That's from the NFL. And yeah. also my, uh, that back injury I have right now that I'm feeling it, you know, not only when I turn 30, but it's also from the NFL. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, all right, so listen, catch us up. The, the, the film Now or Never was first released in what year? It was first released in 2019 after we made it starting in 2017 and 18 as a thesis first. Right. And it, it was first uh, sent out to film festivals with Tony's uh, love and support all over the country, Texas, Rhode Island, Flickers, Academy, you know, Qualifier Festival. And we did a bunch of screenings here at the Plaza Classic Film Festival, which you were there. Yep. And so it was first released in 2019. That was the year we went to Burlington, Wisconsin, and screened it in Tony's hometown in front of all friends and family. With Tony, yes. Yes, and, and I remember that were, well. There you were interviewing Tony and on the booth, so that was pretty That's exciting. Right. That was a lot of fun. That's when I took Lauren Hodges from Longhorn Distributing along for the ride, and who knew that all these years later, Lauren would become part of ZGN Productions in a lot of ways. Yeah, he really has, and I definitely <laughs> want to shout him out. Cause I love that. Adrian, you got to love our, the way the, – this is that's great right. the way uh, life works. Yeah, shout out Longhorn Distributing. Lauren yeah, was my, shout out to Longhorn Distributing. Seriously, Lauren was my plus one for that trip. And next thing you know, now he's uh, he's helping to get involved uh, behind the scenes in some of your uh, in some of your other uh, productions. It's amazing. 
He really has. Uh, Lauren and also, uh, well, Lauren with Longhorn, you know, he's been a big part of, of bringing this thing, um, you know, with distribution as we'll talk. And I also want to shout out David Garman at 915 Tours, your place, your home to go watch Dallas Cowboy games. That's right. Uh, David has also been a very uh, important role into bringing this film worldwide. You should just start working for us. I mean, we're already having some of our of our sponsors joining you on board. Why don't you just uh, come full circle and just come join the family? I'm all in. Just all right. pull out the application. Let's get going. That sounds that sounds good. I like that. So um, you've you've had other documentaries and other films since um, the Tony Romo story came out. Now or never. You've profiled a uh, cowboy, art of a cowboy. That was a big one. And you've got a very uh, cool uh, thing you're going to talk about. I th- can you are you allowed to talk about your next project or not yet? Yeah, I got a couple projects right now. Um, so we went out to Toronto after the whole Tony Romo thing happened. I felt uh, really confident to start uh, reaching out to other athletes. And I'm a big Olympics fan, big figure skater fan. And one uh, girl who figure skater who I really followed was Gabby Delman, who's a Team Canada gold medalist, a champ who's gone through a lot with you know mental health and injuries and kind of remind me a little bit of, of Tony Romo's life and so I reached out to her and her manager and and uh, they you know went for it and we also just wrapped that film through three big trips to Toronto and we're in post for that we're in post for another Art of a Cowboy film that we filmed also in Wyoming Okay. and right now it's actually really exciting because we just started production with YISD approved uh, docu-series on my former high school Bel Air uh, Bel Air High School, the home of the Highlanders. That is awesome. So, Chris, <laughs> I, I want to jump in on this because I love the. This is like a hard knocks idea, right? Basically, yes. it's like hard knocks, but for Bel Air High School and head coach Eric Scoggin out there. They've got the, they've got a great team. I'm I'm really excited about them. Noah Moreno's their quarterback. Chris Davis is their star wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about them this season. But here's my question to you: I've had this discussion with other media members behind closed doors, saying I wonder if uh, any coach out there would be receptive to having all these cameras all the time. And, and, you know, in the locker room, at practice, at the games, behind the scenes, filming everything. How has Coach Scoggin been in this project allowing you the access that you need? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in 2019, actually, when I was doing this Romo thing, that's when I reached out to him. And we were supposed to bring some of the players to the Tony Romo camp in 2020, and then we know what happened that year. Uh, so then we waited, waited, waited. I got the pitch ready, uh, pitched it to the district. We actually went to the superintendent's PR, got it got it set. But the idea was always to make the first docuseries on a high school football team. You know, there's been other films, uh, documentaries, that have been mainly on, on baseball and soccer um, with other teams in the EPISD and Socorro district but not with YISD. And because, you know, that's my way of coming back because I'm from Lower Valley. I feel like it's one of the most uh, forgotten areas of El Paso. So the idea was always to to follow them through the locker room. Um, Coach Scoggin always says, you do you and we will do us, yep. right? We got a, this season, last season, they went 8-0. and At some point in, in time, they were like the number one team in Texas before, you know, they lost a couple games. They lost the first playoff game. So it's interesting to, to come in now and, and you know, they're, they're hurting on O-line right now because a lot of their seniors graduated. So that's going to be a great storyline, like I was telling you earlier. Um, but he, you know, we started on Wednesday and Thursday. We filmed the practices. 
it, it's almost like he hadn't trained already. You know, they they all were just very respectful. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is what I want. Right. They know we're doing this hard knock style thing. And I told them, um, you know, we want you to be you guys. But obviously we want to keep it, you know, um, audience friendly. Right. And we want to make sure we do that um, with the NFL. HBO is different. You can have, you know, more uh, bad language. And we're trying to not go that route. And I think so far it's working beautifully with the kids and the coaches. You know, they're just so professional, so amazing at what they do. I mean, Scoggin, you know, he's as amazingly intense and and tough and uh, beautifully spirited and has just a lot of hope and redemption in him. And I think he's, he's, he's really turning around this program and we're really capturing that. So he's been amazingly receptive and, and he's letting us, you know, follow them from, from literally the beginning of practice all the way to the scrimmage. And then, uh, this Friday, we're actually going to be going to Irving for week one. So it's exciting for me as a documentary series director to, you know, really put in, uh, my directing skills with writing as we go. So will you chronicle the entire season or will you go just through the first game against Irvin? How's it going to work? We're doing the entire season. Wow. We're going um, all 10 regular season games home and away. We're doing playoffs because I know they will. And if they don't, then we will write the storyline according to what happens. But I Mm -hmm. know coach wants to go back to the playoffs. So we're going we're going as far as they go. That's that's that was always the idea. And in doing that, we always want to show the human side, right? The the kids, we want to show uh, their stories, what they're going through, how football is a way in for them for many other things. And and we want to show, you know, the people inside the helmets, just like we did with Now or Never. So will you have the opportunity to, let's say, go into the Scoggin home and show you coach away from football, will you have a chance to maybe go to some of the athletes' homes and show you what they're like with their families away from Bel Air as you start to really dive deeper and deeper into the personalities of this uh, of this series? That's exactly what I told Coach, right? Because at first it's very, you know, you come into practice, you come into the games. I said, we need more than that. We really need to follow these people. And um, he said yes to us coming to his home. When? We don't know yet, but I know, you know, he's uh, giving them a lot of calls and he knows that, that we're going to do it. But um, with the kids, we're already working on that as well. Um, if you guys follow, you know, high school football, Zach, uh, their star running back, he got hurt um, last season, and he's getting ready to come back. We don't know yet, but we kind of started that little, you know, we already filmed some nice, cool footage with him on the sideline for the scrimmage, getting ready to get back. And so we're already starting to meet the kids and meet their personalities and their stories and see who we want to follow. And I'm already calling coach after scrimmage, telling him, I want to follow this guy. I want to do this guy. What can we do? Is this allowed? And so it's really amazing to you know, I think it's one of the first docu series that has been approved by the series by the by the district. I, mm-hmm. I think the first, and so it's exciting um, to be given that opportunity, and I'm just blessed to be able to get back to my community in this way. I am so excited about this. And matter of fact, if this goes well, as you said, Netflix approved cameras, which means the ultimate end goal here would be to have this as a finished product and then sell it to Netflix and have them pick it up. That's the plan. And I, you know, I'm always, as Tony Roman, the film is, I'm always confident in what's possible. And I was confident in what was possible with the Tony Roman film. And if you allow me to talk a little bit, you know, the great news right now is through. Don't say it yet. Okay. Hang on. I, I love teases. I okay. love teases. And we're, we're, we've got a break coming up. So how about we, we, we save this for the next yes, segment. Yes, sir. 
and then we lead it in with that great news. You got it. Awesome. Chris Hanna with us right now, ZGN Productions, as we continue. More in a moment. First, let's go back to D. Wu standing by with his traffic update. Past the hour here on a Monday. Bleeding red. Love it. Love it. Chris Hanna telling us about his project with the Bel Air Islanders, his alma mater. Is this even a little more special just because the school that you were able to do is is your alma mater? Does it does it feel a little different knowing it's your stomping grounds and maybe more personal because that's where you graduated from? Yeah, it's definitely personal. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like their high school when they graduated. I always did. Yeah. I mean, I became who I was. <laughs> I became there, you know, competing. And I always loved football. Um, and so for me to come back and, and make this docuseries with Highlanders, I mean, I love the backpipes. I literally listen to backpipes while I'm working out. So for That's me awesome. to be doing this, is, it's really special. Let me tell you this, okay? So you, you said something so interesting that people don't actually, like some that don't like their high school. Adrian, when you finished up your high school career at um, Franklin, did you leave liking your high school? Well, I peaked in high school, Steve. So yeah, I would say I would say for me, I definitely uh, dread every day that I I miss Franklin. I, in fact, I miss it so much. I'm there so often covering uh, football for Football Friday Night. That's great. Um, I loved going to Coronado. I did. Um, haven't been back all that much in the last uh, I don't know, probably. 20, 25 years. I did a live show from there once when uh, they were renaming the field after Coach Quarles. Um, that was really cool. And Coach Brooks, I was excited about that. So we broadcasted live one day from the school. Um, they have no idea that I graduated from there, or they couldn't care less because that, yeah, I really haven't heard much from the school back over the years on that. But I really did uh, have a good time at Coronado and, and did like it and have good memories from there. So, and went to all my reunions except for the last one. So it was all, it was all pretty good. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, for me, um, Bel Air just, I always bled red, right? And that's why we're titling the series Bleeding Red of the Bel Air Highlander Story. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really amazing to come back to. I grew up in the Lower Valley, you know. When my uh, my mom brought me back, I was born here, and we had to go to Juarez because of situations with family. And I came back, had to relearn uh, English in Hillcrest and in Bel Air. Grew up in the Lower Valley, and to be back and capturing it cinematically with my documentary skills that I've acquired throughout the years, and thanks to Now and Ever as well, it's amazing to be able to to capture this. And also a school that's been literally renovated. You know, completely. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I, I'm jealous that I'm not going to high school right now because those facilities are simply amazing, and I think uh, they're only going to get better. How about the um, the student athletes? How I mean, have they been very good to you and your team of of uh, you know uh, cameras and sound, knowing that you're right there, kind of chronicling them? Do they even understand the scope of what this project is all about? I can speak if they understand, but I know they're definitely um, they're acting like they do. Good. I mean, you know, we're literally right there with them on their faces uh, from, you know, being in practice to being in the locker room. Um, we understand, like, what we can film, what we can film, you know, when they're getting ready, things like that that we have to learn. Yes. Um, but they're, you know, they're just being themselves. And, and 
that's what made me so excited. And I mean, I got so into it that I didn't realize, wow, this, this, we're already three days in. I mean, we're already close to, you know, um, half a terabyte of footage in only three days. And it's because the coaches understand what we're doing here. Um, they understand uh, my background, what I've done. And I think uh, in talking to Principal Jake, who has been amazing and instrumental to making this possible as well, um, he also felt, they all felt comfortable that I was an alumni, that I understand Bel Air, that I went to Bel Air, that I love Bel Air, that I really bleed red, right? And and they're more comfortable with me because of that. And I don't know, I think it's also because Coach is a phenomenal leader. And I think he prepped them but also always told them this is only going to work if we do us mm-hmm. if there because the one thing he always tells me if this becomes a distraction that's when we're going to have a problem and so our job as filmmakers is to not be a distraction for them because we want them to win as much as they want to win and have a better season so that's been for me and the leadership aspect is how do we make this series where we're almost invis- invincible yeah. invisible and that we don't become a distraction for the football team i feel like as everybody gets more and more comfortable with you It'll be like you're not even there, and that's and that's going to be the whole point. Is more, the more they see the cameras and the more they see you during the year, it's just going to become part of part of their regular everyday lives. Yeah, and I think Coach basically already told us that, right? Like he says, like you guys are going to be part of the team. You guys are part of the family, and I were you know it's crazy to say just in three days, but it almost feels that way. I mean. We go in, they already know us, we get ready, we start going. And I mean, I know this is not the NFL, but it's really a dream come true to be able to go to a high school and, and capture, write this beautiful story as we go. And yep. and it's it's the truth. And we're just excited that El Paso is going to have that for all of us. And and my, you know, my inspirational, um, what I want to inspire people is that let's do more documentary um, that's what we're seeing with Tex-Mex Motors, right? Mm-hmm. Coming on Netflix, El Paso starting to get more on the map, and it starts with us telling our stories about El Paso from El Paso. That's true. Now, before the break, you said you had some big news to talk about on another project of yours, which is uh, a labor of love because, as you mentioned earlier in the program, your Tony Romo documentary, which started as a class uh, thesis project, has turned into a uh, full-blown doc uh, that was released um, in film festivals all over the world four years ago. This has not ended with the film festival showing. In fact, you have continued your, um, I'll just say, passion for this film, and uh, you have some pretty exciting news to talk about right now with that for uh, for all those Romo fans out there. Yeah, so... The big news is that after years of trying to get the NFL to give us realistic rates for us to be able to afford the licensing for the Cowboys footage where Tony Romo's featured, because obviously you need this footage to show Tony Romo, right? He played for the Cowboys. And so it was years of of cutting and, and going through this pandemic uh, market and getting out of the pandemic market. And then now the strikes, I mean, it's a lot of, of fiddling. And, and we were finally, you know, able to... Uh, sorry for the word, but I annoyed the NFL for three years where, you know, emails and knocking on door and phone calls. And, you know, I'm not going to give up on this. I mean, not only me, this is not just about me. This is about so many people, including you, Steve, and, and Lauren and David and so many people from El Paso, you know, my whole production team that has worked and invested so much time, passion, sweat and tears into this project um, that tells a beautiful story about Tony Romo. And it's not real till it's out there for people to watch, you know, wide USA and and and, and 
worldwide. So we were able finally to acquire a three-year licensing rights that allow us to get the film all over digital, including Prime and Apple and YouTube, Tubi, everywhere where you can buy or rent the movie. And also they will allow us to use the trailer with the footage all over online for Tony Romo to also post about it, which he will, and that's going to be exciting. Um, but also um, be able to then, after a year of, of analytics with digital, be able to go back and speak to HBO and Amazon and Hulu, who were definitely very interested, including Showtime as well, in the film. And now that the NFL is more receptive to the idea of having it there because of them allowing us these rights, um, it's you know surreal to say that it's finally going to be able to be watched by people at home. That is amazing because that's been your goal from day one. It, it really has. Now, when you say the NFL has kind of held up this thing, people have to realize that when you show Tony Romo game footage playing in games with the Dallas Cowboys, that those uh, you know that those that piece of film is owned by the NFL, so they charge you by the minute. It seems like so. In order for you to let's say if you have you know five minutes of combined NFL plays and game footage from Romo's career throughout his career in the NFL, you're looking at tens of thousands of dollars, and you're never going to be able to own that footage, but you get what you call, as you said, three years. So for three years, you're going to have the opportunity to um, allow those that footage in high def through the NFL to be part of the documentary itself. That's absolutely literally what it means. So yes. So for three years we'll be able to license the footage through the film. Um they're always willing to to, you know, renew and, and my my goal is we, we are. We're gonna definitely do another three years or five. Um, well, you know, like we figured it out now, we'll keep on figuring it out. But really, you know, my goal is hopefully not only Cowboy fans, but Tony Romo fans, uh, football fans, sports fans, just people fans. I hope they support this film not only because they love Tony Romo, or they love an inspirational life, you know, film about Romo, but also watch a film that came from nothing. That came from just kids that had this this dream and this goal to make something big at the stage where we were at and figured it out along the way in the last five years to make it happen. And if we were able to do it, so can you. And I really hope that people watch it and get inspired and start their own big projects and their own big dreams. Super cool. Now, um, the film that will be streamed, how similar is that film to what people saw four years ago if they went to the Plaza Classic Film Fest and saw it there? I think it's, it's almost the same. You know, it really, um, I think the difference is, you know, we, we definitely had to cut down NFL footage, but there were from moments that I felt were repetitive in the original, you know, hour and 29 minute film. Yeah. And also, you know, at the end of the film, we, we, we had a lot of praise for Tony Romo and, and we get it, right? We, you know, so there were things that we had to, to, uh, cut, but then there were things that we re-added also from other previous cuts. Are the um, grandparents still in it? They're both, yeah, they are, of good. course. Good, both good, scenes good. are in it. Love those two. And those are very important. Um, if people don't know this, uh, Tony's grandfather actually died in 2020, um, due to COVID. And so we went back and, and put in loving memory 
memory of him in the film, and I think that's why this is more special to Tony and his family because we we really captured his grandparents. And you know, it was interesting yesterday that we showed the trailer on FitFam um, to get people to go, and you can watch it on FitFam right now. That's where the trailer is live, and people were making comments about how great it is that we are showing his roots, that people don't know that Tony Romo's Mexican American and came mm-hmm. from from an immigrant family. And so that's something that our film shows that other stories about Tony Romo and the NFL uh, haven't. You also have a very special showing for this film here locally, which we'll talk about in just a moment. As we continue our conversation with Chris Hanna from ZGN Productions, 505-6009 if you want to get into the show. 600 ESPN El Paso on X if you have questions uh, or comments for Chris. And I see some already coming in. So we'll talk about those in a moment right after we say hello to Adrian and get one last Sports Center update. Thank you, Adrian. By the way, uh, Adrian's going to be busy with you on Wednesday. He's he is going to be leaving early here on Sports Talk for a reason, Chris. So why don't we let our listeners know uh, what uh, Adrian's going to be up to with you here on, on Wednesday evening? Yeah, so I've always just been a big fan of both uh, Adrian and you, Steve, and here at ESPN 600. I mean, the amount of support you guys have given us throughout the years, and uh, so I asked Adrian if he would come and MC. Um, the uh, the whole screening um, at Alamo Draft House that we'll talk about, and he's gonna be um, asking us the questions, driving the Q and A, and talking a little bit about you know the film itself and his involvement in it um, during the whole Burlington situation too. Oh, I love that. I think that is. I think that's gonna be terrific, um, Adrian. Um, you've seen Now or Never before. I've seen it uh, multiple times over the years. Uh, I have, and and by the way, I mean. I love the film for so many reasons. I love, you know, and and I take a, and I take a personal interest in your career, Chris, because we go back a long ways. We really do. Long before you ever got into the film business, I I first got to know you right out of Bel Air High School. So when you reconnected with me all these years later and told me about this film, I thought it was the coolest project ever because of how you were able to do it and how you took what would have been a 10 or 15 minute um, you know feature for a, a class and turned it into this that's it's really amazing when you think about it over the years and how um, you know you've you've had you've, you've met uh, your partner that in that set, setting friends for life people part of your team it's really phenomenal when you start to think about what that meant to your career and how it helped launch you Uh Thanks for making me cry, Steve. Yes, uh, I really appreciate that. And um, besides the film, I mean, at the end of the day, the idea was to make a film about one of my heroes one day. Little did I know it would start there. And and not only that, I'm a big Cowboys fan. My friends would say that, right? Maybe I have a slow down a little bit, you know, throughout the heartbreaks. But little, I will yeah. always I will always be a Cowboys fan. And uh, now yeah, I feel like I'll have a link to that organization and, and nonetheless I'll have a link to my hero that no matter what happens, he knows I made you know a film about his life and I gave it justice and I did it with passion and love. And I will always forever be grateful to all the people that made this film possible and as well um, always grateful to the Romo family for giving just a kid from El Paso a chance of living a dream that he only thought would happen, you know, ever. And I 
you know, again, I'm just extremely thankful to everybody. Tweet, uh, this is coming in uh, on, uh, on on Twitter or X, depending on how you refer to it. What do you still you call? Are you are you ready to call it X now? Do we call social media X? Are you are you on board with that, or is it still Twitter for you? I think it's still Twitter. For is me. it okay? I got I'll so. get there. I'll get there. Hey, we'll all get there. That's why I'm. That's why I'm using both right now. Uh, Augustine uh, gets into the program. Steve, that is great that Chris is doing positive stuff in El Paso. The good Charlie Min of El Paso. Oh, my. Why do you have to do that? Why did he have to take a shot at poor Charlie at the end of that at the end of that message? Couldn't he have just left it alone? Hey, uh, good job, Augustine. That one, that's one of the few tweets I'll actually agree with you on. Oh, my goodness. Poor Charlie. Charlie just takes a pounding uh, uh, around here. Um, Esteban, I graduated from Bel Air. Number 15 out of 900 graduating seniors. Flex on them. He did. We hated the snotty, well-off kids from Eastwood and Coronado. Probably still the same. All right, let me ask. Uh, let me ask uh, Chris this: Do you, do, from your uh, just from the way you're around the Bel Air, do you feel like they still hate the snotty, well-off kids from Eastwood and Coronado? They haven't mentioned a single thing about Eastwood. Um, I don't even think they're playing Eastwood this season. I have to look at the at the schedule. I, I don't believe so, but um, I haven't. You know, they're they're. From what I've seen, even they had a scrimmage with Coronado, and there was nothing but respect, you know, and I, I really saw that. And, I mean, I, I think well, it's because of Coach Scoggin. So I, I haven't seen that, no. Plus, Beller has the nicest gym in the city. Um, it's a three-level thing. And, uh, by the way, uh, you can't compare the facility at Coronado to the facility at Bel Air. Bel Air right now is probably number one in, in the city when you talk about what those facilities are like. Yeah, they are. And that was always the idea, you know, when I pitched it to the district on our pitch deck was uh, let's show, you know, one of the most beautiful high schools in the town right now that's never been put to film Mm -hmm. on film at all. And it's really exciting to be the first filmmakers to capture it cinematically on a docuseries form. Are there tickets still available for Wednesday night screening at Alamo East? Yes, they are. Um, they started uh, going a little fast after our Fit Fam trailer premiere yesterday. I believe we're, it. we're already about 70% capacity right now, which is really amazing um, to the people of El Paso. Again, thank you for everybody that's already gotten a ticket. Um, but we do still have um, general admissions. We pretty much sold out on VIPs that included a Tony Romo t-shirt and raffle tickets and meal and drink. However, we're still going to sell our official Tony, um, Now or Never Tony Romo t-shirts and raffles. We have... Tons of Tony Romo signed cards, a helmet, football. We have some posters. Um, we're also going to have 100 uh, limited edition Blu-rays for Now or Never Tony Romo stories signed by the man himself that just arrived on the mail this morning. Wow. And so we're going to have a lot of beautiful merch for everybody. So if you want to come out and have a ticket, we will have tickets um, at the door as well. But I would encourage you to go to the City Magazine, our partners here, City Magazine website or app, and buy your tickets there as well. Can you also purchase them at Alamo East or only through the City Magazine? You can only do it through the City Magazine online because this is technically a private event. Got and it. but you will also be able to get them at the door if they're available. Okay. What time will the uh, what time will the showing begin? It will start at six p.m. with an intro uh, with myself and Adrian, and we'll you know introduce everybody. We'll introduce the film. Uh, the film will probably start around six fifteen, six twenty ish, and then we'll be you know done with the film around eight, and then we'll have a nice Q and A for everybody to ask questions and and buy you know get their merch and everything. 
All right, let's take a phone call for you. What do you say? Victor is on the line, and he's got a question for Chris. 505-6009 here on Sports Talk. Victor, you're up. Go ahead. Uh, how are you doing? Good, Victor. I uh, Yeah, I just uh, wanted to go ahead and uh, give uh, Chris uh, some props, you know, on the air. Um, he's uh, representing El Paso and, and uh, doing great things, um, you know, living his his dream you know i've I've known him for a really long time and and uh, i know this is uh what he's always wanted to do and uh i'm very proud of him now you you can you can respond chris it's it's the microphone is still hot go ahead <laughs> thanks victor uh victor is one of my my best friend right now he's always been there for me so uh thank you for always supporting me man and uh really we couldn't do what we do without the support of of those we love and and friendships are important so thank you brother really really appreciate the support yeah no problem man i i uh i'm i'm like i said i'm really proud and i'm i'm uh i like uh hearing everything i'm hearing it's great and i'm gonna be there uh to continue to support you guys good stuff victor you have any questions uh since you've known uh chris forever anything you want to ask him and put him on the spot here on the show <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, when, when are you going to get married, man? Oh, no, that is a terrific question. I like that one. Now, that is as hard, <laughs> Victor. That is as hard hitting as it gets. I really hope Nina's listening to the show right now. So, uh, yes, yeah, so when are you getting married, Chris? Uh, we're looking into it. We're looking into it. So uh, let's just say that the winter might be nice. So we'll see. All right. Good job, Victor. Appreciate the phone call. <laughs> right. Thanks for doing that. No problem. Um, now, have you already popped a question? No, not yet. Well, not yet. I mean, usually, I don't know about you, but usually the way it works is, and Adrian, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, do you um, do you usually propose first and get engaged and <laughs> then get married, or do you just go elope and do it without wait, 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 even wait. I, I need this. Uh, I need you to ask this question again. It was really hard the first time around asking. I hope I never have to do this again because uh, I think I might mi- uh, mix those two things in, in a different order. Um, yeah, Chris, you got to think of a, an elaborate way to ask first and then get that wedding done. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely already working on something. So. Is it possible? Is it possible? that you can utilize Tony Romo in an engagement. <laughs> is that is that something that could possibly happen? Could we get Tony on a CBS national telecast to propose uh, on behalf of you, or is that, is that too much to ask? What do you think? I think I've asked this guy for too much already, Steve. Okay. I, <laughs> if anything, I could maybe ask Greg Sestero, uh, from oh, yeah, the room yeah. of the disaster artist, that's a safer bet. For we sure. like Greg too. We like Greg. Yeah, and definitely. Greg's a, and Greg's a big sports fan too. He's a huge 49ers fan. He is. You know, funny thing, uh, we talk about him because he uh, he agreed to cameo on the series, and he played quarterback back in high school, mm-hmm. and he likes to throw that football not only in the room but just anywhere he goes around mm-hmm. the around the world. And so we're gonna have a fun little cameo at the series for him with the team. That sounds amazing. That really does. It's getting better and better, Adrian, isn't it? It really yes, is. Yes, yes. I, I want uh, you know Eric Scoggin to say hi, Mark, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> has it, now is he? Does, does Eric? Does Coach Scoggin know who uh, who Greg is? Most likely, I doubt it. Okay, I doubt it, but maybe I'll 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 put a, that movie on his queue and tell him to watch it on Netflix for sure before he cameos in. Terrific. Um, you will have DVDs available on Wednesday. We'll have Blu-rays available, yep. all signed. Uh, we'll have Tony Romo. 
uh, signed uh, football cards. Uh, we'll have a helmet. We'll have some amazing posters uh, that so were cool. also made by a great local business here, acrylic posters. Um, so we're going to have a lot of fun stuff. When will the film be available for streaming? Starting when? Right now I can say fall 2023. Excellent. I want to say it. I want to say that they really bad, but because we're still passing through quality control, specifically with Apple and iTunes, once that's all set to go, we just sent the final uh, film, which we hope. Then we're definitely looking at the end of September, mid-October-ish. Excellent. But you can definitely catch it this fall. I'm excited for you. Could we see it eventually back at Alamo and maybe more showings here locally? I think if we sell this one out and people want it more on, on the theater and watch it on Glorious 5.1 Sound, then we can totally bring it back, too. Love that. Hey, listen, great to see you. Congratulations on everything. Super excited about the Bel Air Project, Bleeding Red. That is fantastic, especially on this because I've been a part of this for so many years. I'm happy for you. Continued success, and thanks for stopping in today. Thank you for always having me, Steve. You got it. He's Chris Hanna, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Final countdown next, 44 past as we head to the finish line.